The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14, and when Dr. Rogers is back, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll begin our series in the Gospel of John, but looking this morning at the theme of the angel's message to the shepherds about not being afraid, the fact that the good news casts out fear, hear the word of God, Luke chapter 2 at verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among them, those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of God. My focus this morning was especially on verse 10. And the angel saying to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy. What is it that tends to make us fear? What is it that dwells around the corner of our minds, giving us some sense of anxiety or concern? Those of you who are young children, you can probably relate to the feeling of most of us had of feeling that there might be a monster under our bed at night or something when we're getting ready for bed. Fear has always been part of each one of our experiences of life in this fallen world. Whether it's the fear of a terrorist attack, or fear concerning the safety of a loved one, or even the fear of dying, fear is very much a part of our lives. Or whether it's the more ordinary kind of daily fears that you and I face. What others might think about us or whether we might fail in some purpose or plan or goal that we have. Maybe it's fears about having enough money to pay the bills. Maybe you ran up your credit card on Black Friday a little bit more than you know you should have, and you know the bill's going to come due next month. We live in a world that is filled with potential occasions for fear. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came to bring us into a right relationship to God so that we need no longer fear. That is the truth of the gospel that I want us to spend time thinking about this morning. My first point is this. Without Jesus, we are naturally in the bondage of the fear of death. Without Jesus Christ, without knowing Christ, you and I by nature are in bondage to the fear of death. Think of the shepherds out in the field at night, and suddenly the angel appeared to them. And notice that it says, 
the glory of the Lord shone around them. What a stunning experience. And their reaction of being terrified is the universal reaction that we find in Scripture over and over again when sinful humans are confronted with God's glory. Whether it's an angel or some vision of God, when human beings see something of the glory of God, the natural reaction is this sense of dread, this sense of fear. It wasn't surprising the shepherds felt that way. And it's a fear rooted in the reality of our sin and our distance from God and his awesome holiness and glory. I like the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. But when Clarence the angel comes on the scene, this is not a biblical scene. (laughs) This is not a biblical angel. You know, Clarence is this bumbling angel. You know, they've got, Hollywood doesn't understand this. The Bible always portrays the powerful glory and presence of the holy God so that human beings, whenever they come close to that, there's this sense of dread. It reminds me of Peter's reaction when he's with the Lord during Jesus' earthly ministry. And do you remember where uh, Peter and his other fishermen had been out fishing all night? They were experts. They knew how to fish. And they caught nothing. And Jesus comes on the scene and he tells them to uh, cast out their nets once more. And you can imagine Peter thinking to himself, okay, you know, Jesus, we're the experts here. You know, but he does it because Jesus is the Lord. He knows that. And he casts out the net. And there's this great catch of fish. And they haul it in so that it's recorded that the boat begins to sink. And what's Peter's reaction? Is he clicking his heels and saying, yes, we're going to make a lot of money on this? No. No, when Peter sees this glimpse of the glory of Jesus' person as the ruler of the created order, Peter says to the Lord, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's the same sense that these shepherds had. Peter was painfully aware of his own sin and his own distance from the glory and holiness of God. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 speaks of us human beings as those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The point of this verse is that apart from Christ, every person is held in bondage to this fear of death. And it's not just death itself. It's not even facing death or dying so much as what lies beyond death, the eternal realm, the eternal just righteous judgment of a holy, glorious God. We don't think about that very much. Our culture and society rarely think or know anything about that. And no matter how hard a person may try to obscure and not think about this truth, if we're deeply honest with ourselves, we know that that reality presses upon us. There is a sense within that God is holy and that we fall woefully short of his glory. People push aside these kinds of thoughts about death in many different ways. Maybe you throw yourself into your family and your job and enjoy that a lot, which is not a wrong thing to do in and of itself. 
Or maybe you busy yourself accumulating the things of this life, and we all know how much fun it is to buy something new. In fact, I read an article this week that much of the Christmas shopping going on is people really shopping for themselves. You know, it's just easy to do that. It's fun to buy new stuff. Or maybe you keep the television on all the time. Or you have noise distracting you, your, your iPod, your, you know, you're texting all the time. I read about young folks who stay up all night texting, and they don't sleep very well because they wake up and text again, and, and they're just busy with that. Or maybe it's talk radio. You have talk radio on all the time. Or maybe you've adopted a personal philosophy that conveniently cuts out the God of Scripture from your life, and you just keep him at arm's length. Or you absorb yourself completely in your favorite football team or your favorite cooking show or your favorite fashions, all these kinds of things. It's easy to try to drown out the truth of God and this pressing reality of the fear of death and judgment. But there are occasions when the reality of God and eternal things press in upon us. And that's what these shepherds experienced in a dramatic way. The angels appeared and the glory shone around them. And they were terrified. No wonder the shepherds needed to be assured not to fear. When any human being is in the presence of God's glory, there's this sense of being undone. The eternal God the eternal God who made me and who made you and who knows us through and through, knows us completely, knows every thought in our mind, the God who is the righteous and holy judge, that is the God that I stand before and one day will have to stand before and give an account of my life. We shouldn't be surprised that the the shepherd's initial response was fear. Apart from Jesus Christ then, apart from Christ, we are naturally in the bondage and in the fear of death. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if you're here among us, you may be managing to keep that fear at a distance, but somewhere it's still there when you're honest with yourself that God is holy, we are sinful, and after death comes judgment. But thankfully, that's not where the story ends. Our second point is this. The reason Jesus Christ came was to destroy the bondage of the fear of death and the fear of the judgment of God. The shepherds were greatly afraid, but the angel said, fear not. Literally, stop being afraid. It's not as if the shepherds weren't already afraid. Why? I bring you good news of great joy. Today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the King. What utterly amazing good news this is. Jesus Christ came to destroy the power of sin and death and hell. He came to save his people from their sin. And it's all by grace. It's gospel. It's, it's a free gift given in an unmerited way by God. I quoted earlier from Hebrews 2. Here's a fuller reading of that text, which brings this out. Since the children, human beings, have flesh and blood, he, Christ, he too shared in their humanity. That's what Christmas, that's what the incarnation is all about. Jesus coming 
the God-man coming to share our humanity, becoming man, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What a tremendous picture of what Jesus came to accomplish in his life and in his death. He actually shared our humanity for a reason deeper than to just teach us, although certainly he came to teach us, but that is not all. And, and more than to just be our moral example, although he is certainly our example, but it's not as though the Bible says here, Jesus Christ came, now just try to be like him. That's not the gospel at all. That's not what the Bible says at all. Jesus had to take on human flesh so that by the power of his holy life on our behalf and the power of his sacrificial substitutionary death bearing sins on the cross, that by his life and death he might tear down this bondage that we all live under because of sin and death and judgment and so that he might set free all who put their faith in him. What amazing good news. In C.S. Lewis' story, The Chronicles of Narnia, when Lucy, the youngest child, finds herself in Narnia, she meets Tumnus the Fawn. What she doesn't know is that all of Narnia is under the evil rule of Jadis, the white witch. All of Narnia lives in constant dread. Tumnus explains that because of the witch, it's been winter in Narnia for hundreds of years. Winter, but never Christmas. I love that picture. Awful. Winter, but never Christmas. And so Narnians live under this dread. And as the story unfolds, C.S. Lewis portrays this dramatic reality symbolically of Christ coming and dying to rescue a world locked in the grip of the winter, we would say, of sin and death. Let me ask you this as you think about your life and you think about the particular fears you struggle with. What do you think about as the greatest problems of your life? Money problems, credit card bills, having enough money for the month, maybe broken relationships. I know that certainly some of you are coming off a week that it's painfully hard, that holiday times aren't always good times because there's such brokenness in the extended family. Or maybe for you it's loneliness of longing to be in a family or in a marriage in some way. Or maybe it's a problem with a health issue, a chronic health issue that you know isn't going away and it's not good news. Maybe it has to do with your job or being not having a job or being stuck in a job that you really don't like at all. Or maybe it's a a college, there's a dream college you'd like to get into or go to, but you can't go to it. Maybe it's some struggle with depression or anxiety. Maybe it's something about not being happy with the way you look, with your appearance, and you wish you could change that in some way, but you really can't. I don't want to minimize any of these kinds of normal concerns in life, they are all part of the fallenness and the brokenness of life in this world. But I do want you to understand this. The greatest problem for each and every one of us is the problem of our sin, which separates us from our God. It's the problem of our sin. And if it weren't for Christ 
that sin would separate us from God eternally. There is no problem greater than that. And what Jesus came to do was to deal with this central root problem of our lives and restore us to a right relationship to God by what he has accomplished. And so death itself, Scripture says, has lost its sting because even death can't separate us from fellowship with God. And every other problem of this life then, And Scripture knows that there are sufferings in this life, but every other problem in this life is then to be seen in a new light, in a different light. Because now, because of what Jesus has done, we live a new life that's been set free from this fundamental bondage to the fear of death. Praise be to God, this is what Jesus Christ did. It's like being diagnosed with terminal cancer and then finding out, later that somehow, some way, the malignancy is completely gone. Every once in a while, someone has that experience. It's not normal. We think of it as miraculous and thank God when it happens like that, but that's not the normal course of things. It would be like getting a brand new lease on life if that occurred to any one of us. It's like Tolkien's hobbits, Frodo and Sam, these little hobbits who in Tolkien's story walk into the evil one's own realm with the very ring of power that he is seeking. They go to Mordor with the ring, a topsy-turvy plan to destroy the most powerful weapon of all in Mount Doom where it was forged. It's a plan that the wise and the great of the world wouldn't come up with at all because they would want to use the ring of power themselves. The same could be said of Jesus destroying the very power of the real evil one, the devil. The bondage of death and the fear of death by going to the cross. How unlikely, how upside down from the way we tend to think. We would never dream of the gospel that Jesus in complete self-sacrifice and in complete humility goes to the cross to accomplish redemption and triumphs over death and hell and Satan on the cross and then is raised victoriously. That's the gospel. Death unable to keep Jesus Christ. He rises triumphant for our sake. The reason Jesus Christ came was to destroy the bondage of the fear of death. And that brings us to our third and last point, the only antidote to fear is to trust in Jesus Christ. The only antidote to the fear of death, a very real pressing fear, is to trust in Jesus Christ. God's simple way for you and me to enter into the freedom of Christ's victory is to trust in him and to repent and turn from our sin. The angel spoke about good news. It's good news about a Savior. And 30 years later, during Jesus' earthly ministry, when he began to preach and teach, what was the first thing he said? Repent and believe the gospel. The call of the gospel, as we hear it, is to repent, turn from our sinfulness and our sinful ways, and trust, entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ. And repent means not that we clean up our, our lives enough so that God will accept us and so, somehow try to get rid of our sin on our own. You and I can never do that. No, we're always going to be stuck in our sin, left to ourselves. Repent means 
to agree with God about our sin, to, to confess our sin to him, to acknowledge it, and to wholeheartedly turn from it by the power that he gives as we trust in him. And at the same time, to entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ for him to deliver us from the penalty and the power of sin, which is death and hell, and to treasure Jesus Christ as our highest joy. That's the good news. That's what faith in Christ is all about. That's the way to be saved. You might have heard this Christmas story for years, and the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 may be a very familiar story. You might even think it's a nice story. I like to hear that story this time of year. Or you might even believe that it's actual history. You might give mental assent to this historic truth. It is history. Jesus came in space and time. But all of that believing, that mental assent, that thinking it's a nice story in some way, all of that falls short of the faith in Jesus Christ the Bible calls you to. Faith means that you personally, you yourself personally, cry out to the living God and that you actually come to God in prayer on the basis of what Jesus has done. And that you ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you of your sins and to give you new life, to give you eternal life because of Jesus Christ. It's something that you must enter into personally. You must trust Jesus Christ. You must repent yourself. God's simple way for us to enter into the victory of Jesus Christ is to give up any idea that we are good enough or that we have no need for God and we can make it on our own, but instead to rest in Jesus alone. There's a chapter in Robert Louis Stevenson's book, Kidnapped, a classic book that he wrote, in which the main character, David Balfour, who was kidnapped and he was on the ship, and the ship is shipwrecked off the coast of Scotland, and David manages to escape with his life to drag himself up onto the shore, and he finds himself on the shore of a little island, separated from the mainland by a channel of water. And there he is, shipwrecked by himself. The channel he investigates is too deep for him to wade, and he can't swim. He doesn't know how to swim, so he's stuck. And there on that little island he spends day after day, trying to survive, trying to find a way to get off the island and get to the mainland. And he finds some shellfish to eat when the tide is out, Uh, but most of the time what he eats just makes him sick. And he's soaked to the skin uh, most of the time. He's soaked with the rain and the dew. And his throat becomes really sore. And he's beginning to despair. And what makes it even worse is he can see in the distance, far away, a Scottish town along the coast. So near and yet so far away. And he's, he's at the point of almost utter despair. And then finally one day, he sees this little fishing boat come within shouting distance of where he is. And as you can imagine, he jumps up and yells at the best he can and hails them and cries out to them for help. And then he sees that the men in this boat are laughing at him. They're laughing at him and pointing to the mainland. And he hears across the distance from them, he picks up the word tide. And then it strikes him like a thunderbolt. How stupid he's been. He's been on what, has been, what is known as a tidal island. When the tide is low, 
the channel is dry or almost dry, he could wade across it. But every time the tide was low, he was on the seaside looking for shells to eat, trying to just survive. He didn't realize that he was on a tidal island. He had foolishly didn't realize that he could simply walk or wade across to the mainland at low tide. And no wonder the fishermen in the boat were laughing at him. They thought, how stupid can you be? And at that realization, David promptly goes to the channel and wades across and escapes his agonizing experience. Well, I tell that story because how many people live their lives like David Balfour on this island? And they're eking out an existence with the shellfish that they can find. They don't know that a way to the mainland stands open to them in Christ. They live with an underlying uneasiness that is due to this deep and real fear of death. As Scripture says, without hope and without God in the world. And they go about their lives trying to make the best of it, trying to block it out as best they can and ignore it. But... It's always there. But the good news is there as well. A simple way of deliverance, trust and repent, turn to Jesus Christ. And maybe for you, it's been right under your nose year after year, and you've never stopped to really think about it. You've never really understood what the gospel is, that Jesus Christ has provided the way He is the way, the truth, and the life. Walk across Jesus Christ to freedom from fear and to newness of life on the rock-solid pathway based on his life for us, his death for our sins, his resurrection from the grave. Walk across through faith in the living Savior. And Christian, those of you who have trusted in Christ, and Christians still struggle with the fears of this life, continue to fight against the very real fears and uncertainties of this life through continuing to trust your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the way ahead for every Christian as well as we entrust ourselves day by day to Jesus Christ. The angels announced the news And we need to take heed to it. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Amen. Father, thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that these realities are not something that are just a nice story or some kind of myth, but they are true and real. And you call us to enter in. We pray that if anyone is here this morning, apart from Jesus Christ, that they would enter in through this living and new way provided through Jesus Christ by putting their faith in him. We thank you that that is the way we walk as Christians as well and pray for strengthening for each one of us in the battles and the fights of faith of this life. And thank you that you promise to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.